Well, Jordan asked a really good question, or he retweeted a really good question at us the other day, and I thought it was pretty appropriate. He said, could you imagine the gang in a zombie apocalypse? Um, you know, would you actually survive a zombie apocalypse is the main cut here. So uh, I think personally, one one quality you have to have in an apocalypse setting of any kind is you have to be prepared to just get really animalistic with everything. You can't yeah, be, you know, true. you can't be relying on the finer things in life. And I eat like shit and I, I live I live a very bachelor like free lifestyle. And I just feel like that part of the zombie apocalypse, I would lean into super hard. I think the number one quality you need to succeed in a zombie apocalypse as in life is intellect. And I think mm. in that regard, I feel like I would do very well. I, I mean, I think, you know, survival is a, a game of strategy, right? And it's yeah. also a game of chance, yeah. but it's primarily a game of strategy, you know, determining what kind of zombies we're dealing with here and how they behave and how they operate and their, their methods of attack, you know, that sort of thing. I feel like I could study their ways and study their habits. Now, physically, <laughs> neither of us are going to no. be in a great position to survive because of the aforementioned eating like shit. And, you know, <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think we could, we could get fit if we had to, to survive. I, I mean, it depends on, you know, how rapidly things spiral out of control, right? Yep. Yep. That's right. And, you know, you and I would both be good at gathering people around us who can take care of some of the more physically demanding labors of a zombie apocalypse. And, and, you know, we wouldn't need to necessarily like do everything ourselves. Um, one thing that the walking dead has taught me is that during a zombie apocalypse, it's, you're just as concerned about the other people that aren't zombies as you are about the zombies, right? Like it's one thing to outsmart the zombies and all that stuff, but like you've got to watch out for roaming bands of marauders and stuff like that and all the crazy stuff that the world would devolve into. And I think that's where our intellect would really come into play because those people will all just be savages. They're that's just right. be, you know, running around looking for blood and stuff. And we're going to be able to outthink them, outfox them, so to speak. So uh, I, I like our chances. I, I'd give myself at least 30 days. I think 30 days is good. I, you were talking about all the savagery that comes along with descending in a zombie apocalypse. And it reminded me of one of my favorite gaming experiences, which I think I've shared on the podcast before the alpha of uh, day Z sure. which now is a, a full game and it kind of sucks. They made it too survival oriented. I recently redownloaded it. You have to like be able to eat and drink every, you know, 20 minutes or you get hypothermia, you know, if you're outside for five minutes and you die, that's not very fun. That's, that's too, that's too hardcore for me. But back in the day, you know, I used to I used to survive, you know, you, you get your your canned beans and you crawl around. And then, you know, when you're interacting with other humans, that's that's where it gets that's where it gets real. It's not just about outthinking them. It's about manipulating them and getting them to do what you want. And like you said, you know, take care of some of the tasks that maybe you and I aren't necessarily quite as good at. <laughs> I, I will say the the weapon side of it uh, is a little is a little unfortunate for me because I, I don't I don't own any firearms. I don't really have any weapons. Well, this is America, so all you'd have to do is you know spit and you'll hit a gun. Well, that's so, true. I mean, that's that shouldn't one. be that hard. But I think the biggest challenge for me might be my will to survive because if I found out that Patrick Mahomes turned into a zombie, I'm not sure I want to be there for that.
Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, the podcast brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs on Twitter at SI Chiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter by my alias at Real Bird Lawyer, all one word. And here with me as always is my man, Taylor Witt, who you can always find on Twitter unless he switches his handle between now and when he releases this episode at Taylor underscore Witt. <laughs> That intro was inspired by Bird of War, Jordan Scarron. How would we fare in a zombie apocalypse? I mean, we both rated ourselves pretty high, Taylor. I, I think um, coming into this episode, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. Yeah, you know, it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, and that includes always sunny in our chances at a zombie survival. So I'm, I'm into it. I think we would do well. Now, Taylor, before we get into the meat of this episode, you have a special announcement to share with our listeners. I will yield the floor to you. I do. So a very generous bird of war who wishes to remain nameless wanted to sponsor a t-shirt giveaway on the podcast. So he kindly purchased 10 shirts for us to pass out, which is amazing. Amazing. Very, very thankful for our loyal listeners as always. Um, These are the same shirts that we printed one round of a couple weeks ago. They're plain red shirts with the yellow font of it's always sunny in chief's kingdom. Very smooth looking shirts. We are all everyone who got them very pleased with them. So um, so that's a fun prize. So we thought it would be it'd be cool to hold a contest, not just a giveaway, but to enter our contest. We're going to want you guys to tell as many people about the pod as you can and then send me a message on Twitter or through our discord or however you can contact. I guess those would be the two ways, but um, <laughs> about, you know, send me a message and, and tell me who you told. Tell me either, you know. Try and point them back to IASIC.com if you can. That's I-A-S-I-C-K.com. Otherwise, you know, even sharing the name of the pod is a great start. And I mean, I'm talking tweets. I'm talking Facebook statuses, TikTok videos, podcast mentions of your own, billboards, if you can get them. You know, you're going up on that billboard and whatever's at your disposal for sharing the information is fair game. Um, You can leave us a podcast review on iTunes since we haven't had any new reviews since last August. That's been a while. So that would also count as an entry for this. Um, Yeah. You know, telling people about the pod is probably going to help us more than the review, but either way, we just want, we, we need some more, we need some more listeners. We need some more birds of war. So uh, on April 30th, which is about two weeks from now, we're recording this on April 15th. Austin and I will close the competition, pick our 10 favorite attempts and get your mailing address and send you a free shirt courtesy of our dope bird of war that got 10 of them for us. So that'll be fun. I can't believe no one's reviewed this podcast since August, but I guess it's probably because we, <laughs> we don't ask telling them to. people yeah. to review the podcast. Yeah, so for sure. I'm just going to add in a plug here. Re- please review our podcast if you haven't reviewed it. You know, I mean, a lot of you have, and you did an amazing job, and you helped us build to what we are today, which is a, a beautiful, self-sustaining podcast with cool merch, and fun ideas, and, and and witty banter. But and great listeners, and great listeners, the best listeners, uh, especially our nameless bird of war who donated these shirts. Guys, get weird with this, okay? Just get get the word out, whatever way you can, but don't do anything. Well, I was going to say don't do anything illegal, but you know what? Uh, go nuts do go some nuts. illegal stuff yeah we're gonna pick our 10 favorite attempts this doesn't necessarily mean the most number of people although if you reach a shit ton of people will obviously be very thankful for that and that's probably going in the attempts but you know even if you tell your grandparents about us and we think it's hilarious like whatever you want to do just please tell people about the pod we'll send you a shirt all right taylor we have an episode today and 
as with last week, not a whole lot has gone on. We have <laughs> some news here. I, I got to say some of these news items are a little they're a little iffy, you know. There's not much meat on these bones. There's not much meat on these bones, but we're gonna throw the bones into the pot, baby. We're gonna get a stew going, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna do some more mailbag questions. We we got some leftovers from last week, some new submissions from our loyal birds of war. We're gonna talk about that, and uh, I don't know. We might riff on some other stuff here in between. Uh, we might talk about the first place Kansas City Royals. Uh, we'll just Woo! we'll just see where this episode takes us. So, without further ado, Taylor, let's get into the. News, 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 news. First item on the agenda here, Taylor, for the news. Uh, mandatory vaccines announced for NFL employees. Now, this does not include players to this point. Uh, however, NFL employees, this was announced a couple of days ago, uh, are required to get a COVID-19 vaccine or are not going to be allowed to work with players. So, this is some pretty major news because obviously there's been kind of an ongoing conversation in this country among certain circles about whether people should be forced to get vaccines as part of their jobs, you know, whether they can be required to get vaccines, etc. We're not going to get into the legal side of it. The fact of the matter is that the company can require you to get a vaccine. You don't have a right, you know, to your job. So if they say get a vaccine or you're not going to work with players, you better get one and just go get it because it's a good thing to do and it'll keep you safe from COVID-19. And, you know, um, but this was kind of a an interesting story because we haven't had a lot of COVID related news. You know, one year ago today, this was all we were talking about with respect to the NFL. First major COVID news we've had in a while. And um it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how, how this one goes. I will tell you, Taylor, my first thought was a player, Nick Bosa. And then my second thought was another player, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yep. And yep. then I realized that it doesn't apply to players, but I'll tell you, my third thought was for coach of the Washington football team, Jack Del Rio, mm. who does not believe in COVID-19 and mm. believes that it is a hoax. So he could be, uh, he could be out of a job. I don't know. <laughs> He, he probably will end up taking it just because they get paid so much money. He probably won't like it, but I can't imagine him completely. But I guess I can't imagine it because he's crazy. Um, I don't think he's going to just transition out of being a defensive coordinator and into being like a talking head on. Yeah, that, that certainly could, although he's pretty dumb. He doesn't seem like he would be a good talking head. Like, he that's a not a very – coach of the Raiders. So yeah, and, and like, I don't know. He's just very um, – He's very crass. I don't, I don't like Jack Del Rio very much, but I, I agree with you that, you know, Nick Bosa now, Nick and Josh Allen, I think are two ends of the same topic where Nick Bosa is very um, vocal, I guess, about his beliefs. And Josh Allen was kind of more skeptical and more like, yeah. you know, he's like, well, I'm not sure really about what the stats are. And everyone was like, no, you're, we know him. Like you, they're, yeah. they're good. And he's like, well, are they? And they're like, yeah, yeah, they are. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Allen's probably much more likely to be impacted or much less likely to be impacted by that than Bosa, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these players, if they're going to make any social stands about it, or if they're going to just kind of go with the flow. You know, to me, it all comes down to how bad do we want to continue to watch football, right? Like, I mean, it just, this to me is just a sensible step towards making sure that you remember when we were watching that horrible 
Steelers Ravens game where RG three started a quarterback against, I guess it was Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> it could have been Mason Rudolph. It could have been Josh Dobbs. It could have been anybody. I mean, it, yeah. it was, it was uh, two of the worst quarterbacks we've seen match up against each other in an NFL game in recent memory. And it was played on a Wednesday afternoon. And that's because Baltimore had a COVID outbreak and they couldn't control it. And, it just feels like this is a sensible step towards making sure that not that the season is necessarily in danger, but just to make sure that we have like normal football, you know, like the games aren't going to be getting pushed back. We're not going to have the nightmare of random bye weeks for our fantasy football teams. You know, it just is a, it's a sensible step. I think. Yeah. Yep. I think so too. I, and I hope that there aren't too many more hurdles for it. And I hope that, you know, everything kind of from this point on, just becomes normal NFL life and everything's, you know, drama free. And let's just get, let's just get our football back. Now on the player side of things, which we kind of already got into a little bit, the, the other COVID related news of the past week, not specific to the chiefs, but several teams have come out and said that their players are essentially opting out of in-person workouts and they can't, actually really opt out of them right like it's not like they they have the option to do it they just said they're not going to do it they're i've heard opt out used to describe it it really boycott would be a better word for what Hmm. they're doing sure they're saying we're not going to do in-person workouts because we're still concerned about covid and one of the first teams to come out and do this in fact maybe the first team i think was the broncos Mm -hmm. and kind of an interesting situation because Colorado as a whole, uh, Denver's numbers are a little bit worse, but Colorado as a whole really has uh, COVID pretty well in hand compared to guys in the mountains countries. That's right. Exactly. You know, you got to got the clean mountain air up here, you know, all that uh, legal marijuana, you <laughs> know, like I'm sure that kills the, the COVID somehow. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Why not? Um, but Denver, Detroit, Tampa, Seattle, and new England have all had, statements issued by their players saying we're not going to attend in-person workouts or a significant number of our players are not going to attend in-person workouts. New England, I think said, we're not all going to not show up, but a lot of us are going to not show up. Yeah. So we've got five teams in the past week that have come out and said, you know, we're not going to show up for in-person workouts. The chiefs obviously are not among them. um, But so far one division rival, uh, the Broncos and Obviously, uh, New England, another AFC team, Tampa, a potential Super Bowl rival. What are your thoughts on this kind of situation? Where, where do you see this going? Well, I think that if the players are concerned about something, then that always gets the attention or usually gets the attention of the high ups pretty quickly. And I, I wonder how much of it is them seeing a crack in the door for not being able to have to go to OTAs and stuff. Like, I wonder how much of that is more of an opportunity for them, or if they're really actually, you know, concerned that working out in these conditions is not, it's, it's not useful for their careers. And I, I do think that it'll be interesting if more teams jump on or not, because if they start to kind of hear rumblings that like, okay, these other six teams are getting away with it and you, you know, nothing bad's going to happen and they're not going to be able to, and yeah, we want to go, go ahead and do this thing. Then it could become sure. 32 in a hurry. It could be that, you know, all these guys don't want to do any of this and they're going to go ahead and kind of use the momentum here. So, but if they don't, and if it stays at kind of a select group of teams, 
then that kind of leans me to believe that this is a one-time thing and they're all going to go back to doing it next year. And so I do think that the momentum here is really important. Yeah, I agree. And I also think the, the teams that have done it are, are interesting and important, obviously like if the momentum doesn't get to the point where, you know, the NFL is just going to say the heck with it, we're not going to have in-person workouts. We're not going to do OTAs. It'll be virtual just like it was last year then fine. You know, obviously no teams are going to get a competitive advantage out of that, but so far the NFL hasn't given any indication that it's going to come out and order teams not to have in-person workouts. There's been some restrictions on what they're allowing teams to do in terms of having players in the facility and so on and so forth. But every indication we've gotten is that rookie minicamp OTAs are going to be business as usual. And so these teams that are opting out, I mean, I get that the players, are exercising their power by banding together and saying, we're not going to do this, but boy, uh, we saw last season, um, you know, how difficult it was, or we heard how difficult it was to kind of move forward with your off season program without having that in-person practice, you know, getting out on the field. And those teams are kind of putting themselves at a disadvantage. Don't you think? Well, they certainly could be. And I think that's part of the calculus here is the coaching staff and everybody who, you know, has a stake in this decision, you know, they've all, they've all got a better idea than you and I do about how useful these OTAs and these practices are and, and how much their teams need it. I mean, obviously they live this stuff. And if they're allowing their team to do this, despite all of that information, they must have a pretty good idea that it's not really going to set them back because the number one king of all decisions in the NFL is wins. I don't care what else happens. If, if the team thought that this would cost them in the upcoming season, they just wouldn't do it. And, and I think that at the end of the day with these competitive teams and these, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not just the, the dregs of the NFL, it's Tampa, New England, and, Seattle, I guess Denver and Detroit can kind of be considered uh, dregs at this point. But yeah, I mean, if they're if these competitive teams are, are making this decision, I do think that the brain trust here is kind of on board with it, I would think. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. We'll see, obviously, no indications so far out of the Chiefs camp that they're contemplating anything like this, but we'll see what develops. Uh, in other news, happy trails to Julian Edelman. He announced his retirement this week. I can't say that I am sorry to see him go, but uh, there was a lot of discourse on Twitter, Taylor, about whether or not he belongs in the NFL Hall of Fame. You want to give us your quick take on that? (laughs) Well, I think Warren Sharp put it best when he was one of the first people I saw, and certainly not the last one. Nick Wright did it as well, but compare Julian Edelman to a guy who hasn't made the Hall of Fame ballot in the last five years of voting, and that's Heinz Ward. And so when you look at their numbers side by side, and that includes more than just catches and yards. So that's, well, let me just go through them real quick. Catches. Heinz Ward ended his year, his career on an even thousand catches. Julian Edelman, 62% of that at 620. So mm-hmm. not great. Yards. Great. Heinz Ward, 12,083 yards. Julian Edelman, only 6,822 yards. So basically mm-hmm. half. Yeah. Touchdowns. Heinz Ward, 85. Julian Edelman, 36, less than half. They both won a Super Bowl MVP. Heinz Ward, somehow, I was surprised he only went to four Pro Bowls. I thought that they would have been handing him that left and right. He was very good for a long time. Julian Edelman, guess how many Pro Bowls he went to? None. None. Never. Zero. So, like, 
you know, he this wasn't even named to Pro Bowls. It's not that he didn't yeah. know. Yes, it's, it's not, not like that he, it was used playing for like the Patriots. Turned, right. Yeah. Not that he turned them down so that he yep. could be playing in those Super Bowls. No, he wasn't invited. Nope. And and it's just kind of it underscores how much of this narrative talk is about his playoff performances. And yes, he has been a phenomenal playoff performer. And if that's the only thing that gets you into the Hall of Fame, congratulations, Eli Manning, for your first ballot Hall of Fame selection. Yeah, I mean, it's right. it's a it's just it's disingenuous. I think that for the people that were defending Edelman, I saw a lot of them um, saying basically along the lines of like, Hey, can we like not talk about his hall of fame credentials right now? Like he was really good. And we would like to celebrate his really good career and not crush the guy because he should never get in the hall of fame. But like, basically he should never get in the hall of fame. Never. Uh, I just wanted to share some comparisons as well. I just kind of pulled this up here. I actually, Got a lot of people going on Twitter about this last year uh, around this time. It was apropos of nothing. I, I, I don't know what prompted me to look these up, but I was comparing Julian Edelman and Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek, at this point in time, as we stand here today, after just five seasons in the NFL, 57 games started, 74 games played, compared to Julian Edelman's 85 career starts, 137 games played. So more than twice as many NFL games. Right. Uh, Julian Edelman has the aforementioned 6,822 receiving yards. Tyreek Hill's already at 5,391. <laughs> He's going to pass him next year. And Tyreek has 47 touchdowns in the regular season. We're, we'll yeah. get to their playoff sets in a minute. Julian Edelman has 36. I mean, yeah. Tyreek has 20 more touchdowns, or not 20. Uh, he has 11 more touchdowns in than Julian Edelman games. in half the games. Now, yeah. I get that they're different kinds of players, but still, when you're talking about wide receivers they play the same position you know if we wanted to compare julian edelman to you know wes welker he i don't keep wasn't as good a player as wes welker i don't think no. i mean I, I, no, wes welker, welker isn't going to get into the hall of fame it just is uh he wasn't as good as Dion branch he wasn't as good yeah. as like a bunch of guys i mean he he basically is riding this this super bowl you know the stat sheet i mean it's just not it's not good enough for me Now, I want to close with the playoff numbers because people have talked about Julian Edelman's playoff performances and how, you know, that's that's what's pushing him into the Hall of Fame in the eyes of uh, of Patriots fans and really Patriots fans only. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, Bucks fans. Yeah. Buccaneers fans. That's right. They're they're not Patriots fans anymore. Uh, On a per game basis, Julian Edelman in 19 career playoff games has averaged six point two receptions. 75.9 yards and 0.3 touchdowns. Tyreek in 10 playoff games has averaged 6.1 yards or 6.1 receptions. So almost identical there, only Mm -hmm. 0.1 behind Edelman. 79.6 yards, so four more yards, 0.2 touchdowns. So almost identical across the board. Tyreek Hill has been a better playoff performer. And I get that the point is not to compare Tyreek Hill and Julian Edelman, but Tyreek Hill is 27. Yeah. And has, you know, eight years before he gets to Julian Edelman's age. He's played in half the career games and half the career playoff games. And he's essentially equaled his playoff performance. And he has a Super Bowl ring. And you want to talk playoff highlights. I saw some Bozo and Seth's mentions that said, well, what about his playoff highlights? It's like, mm-hmm. excuse me, did you watch the Super Bowl in 2020? I, I, are you familiar with Wasp, a place so famous it has its own name? It's not like that dumb bobble catch that Julian Edelman made in the 28 to three game. That doesn't even have a name. It's just, it's just Julian Edelman doing some circus shit 
to bail out Tom Brady. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't, I can't do it. I would also like to say that if Julian Edelman had the best playoff stats of all time, that'd be one thing. Do you know where Julian Edelman ranks in all time receiving touchdowns in NFL playoff history? Like where, where on the list he is? Like yeah, how many out of how many out of everybody who's ever caught a touchdown, his number of touchdowns, where do you think that ranks all time? I'm gonna guess it ranks at one hundredth all time. One hundred. Yeah, good guess. I I mean that's so he only has five of them. It's not like okay. he's it's not like he's shredded the playoffs for a 20 year career or anything like that. He has so five. So I, I guess that there were 99 players in NFL history with more than five playoff receiving touchdowns. Eh, that's probably not right, actually. So he's probably higher on the list. He is. He is 39th, but 39 okay, is wow. not is not like Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, there's, oh my God, I there's... can't believe that 39th is five touchdowns. Well, right. That's true. Every every chief is going to people own... didn't really. Yeah, people really didn't start catching touchdowns ever. Yeah for a long time (laughs) but uh by the way the second most is 12 and that's john stallworth from the steelers but the most 12 is the second most the most is 22 by jerry rice of course it's jerry rice i knew jerry rice would be number one but he has 10 more than he has 22 and the second place is 12 which is great but that is insane so julian edelman's five receiving touchdowns i mean if the guy was up there, you know, Larry Fitzgerald has 10 of them. He's tied for third. Like that's, you know, well, and obviously Larry's going to get in, but like, that's the type of career that if he had gone berserk in the playoffs and scored 10 touchdowns, I'd be like, all right, I'll listen to you. But like, get out of here, Julian Edelman. This is too, way too much time on a chief's podcast spent talking about Julian. Oh uh, yeah. I already hate it. We should just cut all of this in post. <laughs> just pretend like we didn't talk about Julian Edelman at all. By the way, he totally touched that punt. Fuck you, Julian Edelman. Uh, Jadeveon Clowney signs with Cleveland one year, $10 million. I'd talk about this more, but we just spent so much time talking about Julian Edelman. I don't have the energy to talk about a non-chief. Eh, I don't know. He probably kind of sucks. It seems like a pretty good deal for them. They're not, I mean, it's low risk. You know, maybe he, maybe he unlocks something across from Miles Garrett. I don't know. Is it, does it threaten you at all? Does it move you at all? No, I mean, I do think that anytime Cleveland adds some talent, we've got to kind of keep an eye on it. I think they're a good roster, obviously playoff team last year. Um, I don't think that Clowney himself does it for me, but I do think that the Browns are kind of one of those teams that I'm interested in, you know, as a AFC contender. Sure. Now let's get into some news that does affect us and that I am interested in. And that is Orlando Brown Jr. Offensive tackle for the Ravens. So his agent uh, was quoted in our parent publication, Sports Illustrated, not SI.com slash NFL slash Chiefs, but SI.com, <laughs> SI.com. the big one, the mothership. <laughs> yeah. uh, his agent, Todd Karpovich, indicates that he is still pursuing a trade. He indicated earlier in the offseason that he wanted to be traded out of Baltimore. Uh, that includes working with the Baltimore front office. So they said, okay, you can seek a trade. We'll... We'll uh, work with your agent. We'll make some calls. And his agent said six teams are interested, which includes the Bears, the Vikings, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. That's only five teams, so there must have been a mystery team in there. But that last name, obviously, is the interesting one, that the Chiefs are interested in him. He's 24 years old. 2021 is the last year of his rookie deal, so he is about to get paid. He's about to get expensive. He wants out because he wants to play left tackle. He was their Pro Bowl right tackle uh, from when he was drafted in 2018, uh, 2018-2019, and then played left tackle last year after Ronnie Stanley went down with an injury and was nominated to the Pro Bowl as a left tackle. So he said, 
I want to play left tackle. I don't want to play second fiddle to Ronnie Stanley anymore. He just got a huge contract from the Ravens. PFF's number 25 tackle out of 79 eligible in 2020. They won a first round pick. What do you think about this situation? I don't think we've talked about Orlando Brown specifically on the podcast before. Uh, a guy that the Chiefs have been linked to, rumored to for a, a month and a half, two months now. What, what do you think about this situation? Well, I think it's um, it's intriguing for a number of reasons. Uh, the first thing that I think about is why in the hell would Baltimore send Orlando Brown to the Chiefs? That's right. kind of everything else aside. Doesn't matter what the Chiefs offer. Doesn't matter what the situation they have there with Orlando Brown is. I just, I just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be able to do it if I was Baltimore. I wouldn't want to send them a cornerstone left tackle, which is one of their one of the keys to defeating the Chiefs is them not having an offensive line, obviously. Sure. And I just am not sure that I could sleep at night if I were the the Ravens and with the chiefs winning six of the next eight super bowls or whatever with Brown in there as stalwart at left tackle. So I, that being said, I'm very interested in the player. I'm very interested in the ability for the chiefs to possibly acquire the player. If the Ravens aren't on my same page and, and are willing to actually send him this way, because, you know, this is the big, the big get for the chiefs would be a stud left tackle. That's the yeah. one thing all else being equal that would win the off season win probably the next several seasons is if the chiefs could get a stud young, you know, good left tackle. And if they want a first round pick, you can take our 31st and 32nd picks all, all you want any, you know, for the rest of time, you can take our 32s if you want to give us this guy. So um, I don't think the price is very high. If I know they say they want at least a first, so there would be some other, incentives there but um i'm talking if i'm if i'm beach and and reed and all those guys i'm listening to whatever baltimore is asking yeah i mean i i agree that he's a good player and it's an intriguing certainly an intriguing option and you know if you look at it just in terms of draft capital um a first round pick that's this year 31st overall that doesn't seem too bad i mean the big concern that i would have is you have to pay him after that and sure while I don't have any qualms with paying good players good money, I'm I'm a little bit I don't know. It feels a little bit to me like the Larry Tunsil trade, uh, and, and obviously they are not going to fleece a team like the Dolphins fleece the Texans because Bill O'Brien no longer has a job, and he's probably not quite as good as Larry Tunsil. But Larry Tunsil was kind of a similar prospect in the sense that he wasn't really an elite player just going off like pff grading uh -huh. you know which for tackles I, I mean you know say what you will about pff but they have a way to evaluate tackles and they can assign a number to them based on how good they think they are which is hard to find elsewhere yeah right. uh, laramie right. tunsil was not considered an elite tackle by grading he was good he was above average and then the texans kind of took a chance on a little bit of projection and paid out the ass and gave up two first rounders and then made him the highest paid tackle in nfl history because they had to and he turned out to be very good like he he's yeah. he's graded better since he left miami you know he's a good player i think a lot of that projection is there with orlando brown i just would be concerned about giving up the draft capital and paying him. And I get that the cap is going to go back up, but you know, 
at a certain point you have to have some cheap players <laughs> on your team that are good. And the only way you can do that is by keeping your draft picks and drafting those players. I I also would be concerned. I don't know. Maybe this is me being a little bit paranoid, but were the Ravens to actually trade him to us? Do they know something we don't? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would be, I would be suspicious. This guy's a ticking time bomb. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of like, and, and Belichick is not, you know, he, his drafts lately have not been very good. But man, it used to be that when the Patriots gave up on a player, he's done. Yeah. If you traded with the Patriots, maybe they would take your draft pick and they would blow it on a second round DB that they cut in two years because (laughs) they are hilariously bad at drafting lately. But man, the player that they gave you was probably going to turn out to be dog shit. I mean, the, the, the only guy that I can think of that they've given up on either let walk in free agency or traded that's turned out to be really good is Chandler Jones in Arizona and they let mm-hmm. him go and he's turned into one of the best pass rushers in the league or, or stayed at a high level, but man, pretty much everybody else that they let go kind of stinks. And so I don't know. I would be, I would be worried if a good team like the Ravens said, yeah, we'll give you our pro bowl left tackle to you, the chiefs, yeah. a team that's beaten the brakes off of us the last couple of years and has a desperate need. And yes, we will help you fill that need. And all we ask in return is, you know, a, a first round pick and a third round pick. I don't know. I just would, that would make me suspicious. I don't know. Maybe I'm paranoid. I, I don't know. It certainly bears watching. Uh, we certainly will see where that goes and that kind of dovetails nicely into the next bit of news which isn't really news, but I just wanted to remind everybody the draft is in two weeks. Taylor, I know you're not a draft guy, but are you starting to get hyped? Yeah, I'm hyped for the event of the NFL draft. Uh, When you say I'm not a draft guy, that's because I'm not into the whole like predicting where guys are going to get drafted. That's the part that I like don't see any appeal in, but Um, I'm excited for there to be a new influx of talent in the NFL. I'm excited to kind of see where some of these, high picks go and and obviously see everyone that the chiefs draft that's very that's always exciting but um yeah two weeks doesn't seem doesn't seem real i guess it's already here it's already the middle of april so bring it on it's crazy and because it's two weeks away from the draft the next item in the news is giovanni bernard signing with the bucks chiefs were interested and eh, i don't know do we need to talk about that well why I... why, why were we interested in giovanni bernard i don't I don't know. I would say that the mentioning of the Bucks does make me think of one player that New England let go that did all right after New England. But uh oh, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. I maybe I'll cut that mention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I, I don't like Fuck it. Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's still too raw. It's still uh yeah, it still yeah. hurts too much. Um here's a good story. This is fun. We'll we'll circle around. We're going to we're going to end this new segment with the AFC West. We've got a couple of charming little tales here, starting with Drew Locke. Uh, he is uh, watching film with Peyton Manning, and he did not want this to get out because he doesn't want to make it a big deal that he's watching film with Peyton Manning. But somehow the story has gotten out, and uh, the uh, radio networks here in Denver are all aflutter with this newfound, I don't know, drive from Drew Locke, you know, learning from a Hall of Famer. I'd, what do you think about? What do you think about that? 
Well, I do think it's an exciting opportunity for Drew Locke to be interacting with a very good quarterback for the first time in his professional career in Denver. I think that's, um, you know, that's something that had he been able to pick the brain of a really good quarterback before, maybe someone in his front office or someone that, you know, is very involved with the team. I think that would have helped him along earlier in his path. But unfortunately, there were no quarterbacks available to him that were very good. So he he has now sought out the attention of one very good former Denver quarterback and uh, you know, good for Peyton Manning to mentor the guy. He needed some mentorship, obviously. Yeah, he did. I, I, I'm interested to see where this story goes because the aforementioned NFL draft coming up in two weeks, the Broncos are picking ninth in that draft. And there's some chatter that, you know, maybe, maybe Justin Fields, Ohio state quarterback could slide a little bit. The Broncos might be interested that they could be interested in maybe Mac Jones. You know, they could, they could potentially take a quarterback at nine or they could try and trade up maybe to six, maybe to four, maybe take a quarterback in this draft. And so I don't know if that, motivated the timing of this this leaked story i don't know who's responsible for telling the media that drew Locke is hanging out with peyton manning and watching film but i don't know about this i i don't know i mean okay you can watch film with peyton manning but unless you have peyton manning's brain when yeah. you're on the football field in the <laughs> huddle how much is that really going to help right like <laughs> Is he like watching film with Michael Jordan? Like at a certain point, like, yeah. Okay. If I had known to do that, I wouldn't be asking you for any help. I don't know to do that. Right. Exactly. And I don't know. I just, um, it's one of those charming stories that we get in mid April that, uh, that probably isn't going to resurface again, but this is slow news week. We had to talk about it. I guess I should also point out for those scoring at home, I was laying on the John Elway slander pretty thick earlier. I didn't actually mention him by name, but if anyone is scoring your bingo card, that was a, that was an indirect mention. I'm turning it into a direct mention. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we will, uh, we will do that. If anybody wants to come up with a bingo <laughs> card for this podcast, yeah, I know tough. vitamin J uh, came up with one. And in fact, I contributed to the, uh, the Yahoo NFL podcast. And I know Therese RIP and Charles got uh, a good kick out of that. If anybody wants to make a bingo board for this podcast, I would be very into it. Uh, final item of news, Taylor, this one just brought a smile to my face and just a warm glow to my heart. The Raiders today cut Maurice Hurst, defensive tackle and Arden Key. And as it I turns out, guys. yeah, as it turns out, they've pretty much cut now their entire 2018 draft class. Uh, let me just, uh, let me just go through this here really quick. Let me just pull up our 2018 Raiders draft class. So they took, uh, they took offensive tackle Colton Miller in the first round pick number 15 they just extended him so he's still around he's still around this was this was three years ago by the way 2018 three years ago it's 2021 that we're recording this now Hmm. this was april of 2018 that they drafted these players so your standard rookie contract in the nfl is is four years we mentioned uh, orlando brown he was drafted that year he's uh he's on the last year of his deal uh he's still with the team that drafted him uh but not with the team that drafted them the raiders second round pick uh, defensive tackle PJ Hall. He was cut. Uh, their third round pick, Arden Key, defensive end, cut today. Uh, their third round pick, Brandon Parker, he is a tackle. He's still with the team, but Who? he started four games last year. Exactly. I, I mean, we've never heard of him. Their fourth round pick, Nick Nelson, cornerback, he was cut two years ago. 
You okay. think they drafted him two years ago? <laughs> they drafted him three years ago, and he was he was cut two years ago. Uh, Tommy Townsend, brother, or I said Tommy Townsend, Johnny Townsend, brother of Chiefs punter Tommy Townsend. He was a fifth round pick for the Raiders in 2018. He was also cut. He's now on the Chiefs practice squad. Uh, their their second fifth round pick, Maurice Hurst, which we already indicated, we already mentioned, he was deemed by some to be the steal of the draft. You know, big first round prospect slid down the boards because of medical issues really falling down the draft board. People said, Oh, the Raiders, they got to steal Maurice Hurst in the fifth round cut no longer with the team. Azim Victor, their sixth round pick. Have you ever heard of Azim Victor? No, never. He never played a game with the Raiders. That's why you never heard of him. He never <laughs> Has he played a game with anybody. He's <laughs> never played a game in the NFL sixth huh. round pick for the Raiders. So there you go. And then their seventh round pick Marcel Aitman, uh, wide receiver, also no longer with the Raiders. He was cut after the 2019 season. So from that draft class, they took 10 players in this draft class, and there are two of them that are still on the team. So, wow. There you go. Pour one out for the Raiders, and let me tell you, when we get around to doing that John Gruden roast, which we've been teasing for weeks now, it's going to be post-NFL draft, but um, yeah, it's gonna we're going to come out hard with that one. Well, we got to let him do some more dumb stuff, and yep. the draft is two weeks away. We can't wait to see what dumb stuff John Gruden does. Prime opportunity. And that's going to do it, Taylor, for the news. So let's just jump into the the leftover mailbag. We, we've got – we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel this week. I mean, let's be honest. But we've got one – we've got some great questions. We've got one from our man, unknown caller, at Original GMF. More mailbag content. He provided some bangers last week, which we appreciate. The offseason, so let's discuss the broken overtime rule in the NFL that has screwed over many a team. You and Taylor should discuss how you want to see the OT fixed. Here's my idea. OT one and two. Each team gets the ball first and 10 at the opponent's 25. Similar to college teams must go for two overtime three, which mm. I assume would be after they tie in one and overtime two, one and two. Yeah. Two point conversions until someone wins. So you're essentially doing like uh like penalty like kicks or yeah, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Just, you're, you're at the three. You've got to convert two-point conversions until somebody doesn't convert them. Defensive scores are an automatic win. <laughs> That's cool. No kickers are allowed, so no field goals and no extra points. I love that rule. That, Whoa, that, that should just great way. That should just permeate to the rest of the NFL. It should. For, it for should. all time. Yeah, it should. We should just get rid of kickers, get rid of them in fantasy, get rid of them in real life. They're they're garbage. Now, you you have some thoughts on the overtime. You've, you've thought about this. What, what do you think of this proposal, and how would you tweak this? Well, so I originally thought that I liked college's system of just letting them, just putting them at the 25, letting them go. Um, I don't like the whole driving the full field and punting. I, I like turning it into another quarter. I've always just thought that that didn't feel like overtime. I don't know why it just, it felt more like an extension of the fourth quarter and it didn't really represent a tie game to me. So um, now a proposal that I'm really intrigued by is this new Ravens proposal. Do you, do you remember what they were proposing this off season? Yeah, this is, this is essentially like the uh, we're going to cut this piece of pizza in half. You get to cut it, but I get to choose which slice I want. (laughs) Yeah. It's called spot and choose is is what they're officially calling it. And yes. So you ask the first team, presumably the visiting team, but I'm not sure how they would determine that um, to pick a yard line on the field. You can pick your own 10, you can, or you can pick the offenses 10, you can pick the defenses 25, whatever you want. And then the other team based on that yard line determines whether they want the ball first 
and then they play out a quarter of football from that point on. And so what you could have is a team that's very, you know, that uh, the first team's aggressive and they say, okay, we're going to pick the, we're going to pick the offenses 40 yard line. And then the other team's like, well, shit, our offense kind of sucks, but our defense is really good. So let's put our defense out there on that, hold them and then get the ball back. So, you know, you can kind of have some, some different mechanisms there where teams can play to their strengths and they can determine based on whatever that yard line is and how their team is playing, whether they would rather start with their offense at that point or their defense. Um, I, the only reason I really like that proposal is because it's different and I'm really into like trying different stuff in football. I think that that's fun and I know a lot of people would not be very happy with that just based on how people react to everything, but um, I'm into it. I'm into spot and choose. And I hope that that gets at least a look in the, oh, I was about to say the preseason, but are we even doing preseason football anymore? I guess two of them now, right? I guess a couple of games. Yeah. So I, maybe you can clarify this for me because I, I was trying to sort of conceptualize this in my head. If okay. uh, let's say, let's say we're playing the Ravens who proposed this rule, right? Yeah. And we throw out Kansas city 10. No. Not Kansas City. You, you throw ten. out opponent, or you 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 throw out offenses or defenses. Okay, yard line. So it would be so offenses the, ten. Yes. And so then they would say either we're going to give you the ball at the ten, and you have to at go ninety yards. Ten. We'll, we'll that's we'll right. Play defense, and you have to go ninety yards to score on us, or we will take the ball and go at ninety the 10 yards, and we will go ninety yards on you. That's right. I like that. That's a cool idea. Um, I I think, I mean, I think. Really, what I'm most interested in, if we're being honest, is overtime <laughs> rules that are going to benefit the Chiefs because yeah. I just don't want a repeat of the 2018 AFC Championship game where we didn't get the ball in overtime. I mean, I, I know this is what has motivated this mailbag question. We all understand it, where this is coming from. Uh, and I like that one because I think, you know, I mean, obviously the Chiefs can score from anywhere on the field. You pick, you know, offense 10 and I would be extremely confident in the Chiefs scoring. I mean, you could pick offense the one. one. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah. Give give me the ball on the offense. I mean, uh-huh. like it just would be. I don't know what the the break even point would be well, for our offense, but man, I I mean, I'd take it. it so the problem with that though is that let's say due to because if there's a coin flip to determine who spots versus who picks, or if it's the away team or whatever then like there's going to be the chance that no matter what spot the chiefs put the ball at the other team's going to say offense, right? Because they're not going to want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball. Sure. So then the chiefs can say one because they're very confident in their own offense. And the other team goes, shit, we either get the ball at our own one. And if we don't do anything with it, we give the chiefs a short field or we give Patrick Mahomes the ball. And like, Either way, that's not a good situation for them. So if you have an elite unit, if you have an elite offense or an elite defense, then you're basically set up no matter what. Because if you're spotting, you're spotting for your elite unit. And if you're choosing, you're choosing, you know, for your elite unit to start with the ball. So I, I'm very hopeful that something like that could happen because I think it would give teams that are much, much better at one thing a huge advantage. Yeah. And I like where unknown callers coming from. I like the idea of sort of a shootout style. I think that would be kind of fun. It certainly is fun in college football and you see really interesting plays get wheeled out in overtime in college, um, which I love. I I mean, I'm all about that, but I think to the chief's benefit, at least in the Patrick Mahomes era, I think anything that 
turns overtime into a game of long fields is great because the Chiefs defense, I feel like if you give the Chiefs defense a long field, there's a good chance they're going to be able to get a stop, get a turnover. But yeah. if you put the Chiefs offense on a long field, that just that that gives them an advantage over every other offense in the NFL because they have the ability to move the chains. They certainly have the ability to score from anywhere on the field with Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. I just think that, you know, putting both teams on the 25 is almost selling us short because yeah. I, I mean, especially if you consider how much we struggled in the red zone uh, the last couple of years and that, you know, red zone performance year over year has, has been shown uh, by studies to be fairly random, but mm-hmm. it still feels like, you know, if you put both teams at their own 25, that gives the chiefs a bigger advantage than if you put both teams at the opponent 25 and give them a short field. I, I like something that gives teams a little bit longer field and, and makes it a little bit tougher to score. Like it for the chiefs. I agree for sure. And that bears out statistically with the chiefs converting an absurd number of 90 plus yard touchdown drives right. in the Mahomes era. I mean, basically if you give them a long field, they just have more room to run their great weapons in into space and make stuff happen. And so, yeah, I do think that um, a spot and choose situation would benefit the chiefs for sure. Congratulations to our Royals. They just won. They did. The Blue Jays struck out turned Vlad that, Jr. Turned out, turned that seven to nothing lead into a tight seven to five win in the ninth inning. But uh, look at that first place Royals. We got another mailbag question from another mailbag superstar. You know him, Jordan Scarin. Kicka! Kicka! If you all need some content for the pod this week, buddy, we always need content for the pod. <laughs> Especially Honey your Badger. content. That's right. That's right. We love your content, buddy. Honey Badger has teased a number change. Do you see any other players changing numbers this year? If you could pick a jersey number for you, what would you wear? Uh, so I don't know if Badger is actually going to change his number or not. You know, it's kind of a will he, won't he? Mm-hmm. Is he going to do it? He's He loves I, – I mean, listen, I love Honey Badger. He loves attention. Yeah. You know, he loves, uh, he loves, he loves putting that stuff out there. He loves to talk. I don't know. Uh, any other players changing numbers this year? You saw, of course, the chief's proposal uh, for a rule change that would relax the number requirements for different positions. And in fact, I think that got approved. It did. So now all of the positions are going to have a little bit more flexibility in terms of what kind of numbers they can wear. And, you know, there are some obvious choices here, right? Like Travis Kelsey, he should be 69. Oh yeah. Why is he not? I mean, you know, he should, he, he should go full Gronk, but I mean, listen, it's not like Gronk has a monopoly on the number 69. No. Is it commonly associated with Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, sure. It is. <laughs> but Travis Kelsey could rock that number 69. I, I'd be into that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, forced to take number 15. Yeah. Cause Cairo go- Santos had, had five when he came out of Texas yeah, tech and he, yeah, and he wouldn't give it to Pat. I just, now, I heard a diabolical, by heard, I mean saw a Twitter comment that was pretty diabolical that said, can you imagine the Mahomes jersey number sales if he's changed from 15 to 5? I mean, Kobe, may he rest in peace. Yes, 24 and that's, 8. Yeah, that's a Kobe move. But I mean, like, Mahomes would make, I don't know, however much those players make on jersey sales, he'd make like a billion dollars just on changing it from 15 to 5. Sure. I mean, sure, he would, and because I would buy at least, yeah, I'd probably buy one red, one white. I'd yeah, probably buy a Royals five jersey. Now he couldn't have a Royals oh five. Royals five. Oh yeah, a Royals five Mahomes. I yeah. mean, that number's Doesn't retired, work. but I don't know. Maybe that just makes it more valuable. I don't know. 
I don't know. Hmm. Now, if you could pick a jersey number for yourself, what would you wear? 24, without a doubt. It's my favorite number. Great show. Um, I was 24 growing up in elementary school when they had to number us off to make sure all the kids weren't lost on field trips and stuff. (laughs) So I just always, you know, number of hours in a day. It's very divisible by six and eight and four and 12. And I just really like the number a lot. I... I have no response to this. I, I don't know. I don't have a favorite number. You don't have that, a favorite number? Is that weird? Yeah. I think it's I think it's a little strange. I wouldn't say it's full-blown weird, but I think most people probably, when you ask them this question, have a number in mind. I don't have a favorite number. I don't. I, I mean, I guess my favorite number is 69. <laughs> I mean, you know. All right. It's, I, I, can't, I can't think of a better number than that. Peter Yadrich would be proud of you for that one. I hope he is. Um, we've got one from Big Hand Lawyer, Jack Kelly. <laughs> when did the Chiefs start thinking about Kelsey's heir? I think they would want their next franchise TE to learn from Kelsey, especially his ability to read zone defenses. Yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs probably have been – they probably have had tight end on their draft board the last couple of years. And I think that they probably have – been in a position i'm i haven't been inside the chiefs war room but i would suspect the chiefs probably at least the last couple of years have said you know if this guy gets to us in the draft at this position we'll take a tight end and it just hasn't really worked out that way with the math and they haven't you know they haven't had a ton of picks because of their their trades for frank clark and patrick mahomes to trade up and get him but i think um i think this year again is a year that you could see them take a tight end it's hard to it's hard because you're talking about a if you're really talking about a replacement for travis kelsey right like i mean travis kelsey was a third round pick but that's partly because he was a knucklehead and (laughs) was injured in college and had some concerns coming out of the draft both about his health and about his his character uh but man i feel like we're in an age where yeah, I think George Kittle was a third round pick. I think that's probably the range where the Chiefs might be looking to take a tight end, right? Like maybe third, fourth, fifth round. If they can find a guy in there that they like, I think they would start this offseason if they could. I mean, Travis Kelsey's gonna hopefully play for a long time. He's obviously still an extremely good player and playing at a very high level. But I think uh I think if they could get a second guy they'd like to be able to have, if I were the chiefs anyway, I would want to have a guy that I could, that could contribute as a tight end too, but then also take over, uh, you know, when Travis Kelsey's ready to hang him up. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll admit that when I first read this question by Jack Kelly, I thought he said, when did the chiefs start thinking about Kelsey's hair? <laughs> <laughs> and I sat here and I was like, is there a joke in here? I'm missing. Was it, was it because Kelsey changed his haircut before last oh, year? No. Like I literally was like staring at it. And then I remembered that air is a word. Um, I don't think that they're going to spend any high, any, anything of value on a tight end. I think at this point they know what the, what they have is the best in the game. And if they can play this string out with Kelsey for another five years, you know, health willing and everything, then I think that they're going to look at it and they're going to say, yeah, I mean, if we run into a really young, good tight end that we didn't have to spend much more than a fourth or fifth to on like, yeah, we'll take that, but we're not going to sit there and, and worry about it in every draft about where's our next Kelsey going to come from because we got to enjoy the final years of his career. And so I don't think they're going to really sweat it too much, or at least I wouldn't, if I were in their position. 
what I would like to see is kind of a similar situation to how the Eagles have handled their tight end situation with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. You know, Zach Ertz kind of came in. He was the main guy there. And then they, yeah. they spent some pretty significant draft capital on Dallas Goddard. And Dallas Goddard now is clearly the better tight end of the two. You know, Zach Ertz, they were rumored to be trying to trade. He's kind of breaking down. But I think that would be the ideal because – you, you know, uh, Goddard contributed as a tight end too, and was a great replacement for Ertz when, you know, he had some injuries and things like that, was able to step up, very talented guy. You play two tight ends on the field, um, and then you have kind of a transition, a natural transition plan in place. So I would like to see it if they have a tight end they like second, third round on this year, I, I would be uh, I would be totally on board for them getting getting another guy. This was my opportunity, by the way, to plug Demetrius Harris back to the city. I've been, uh, I've been driving that train on Twitter. The reaction was extremely hostile. Yeah. When I suggested that the chiefs maybe bring back Demetrius Harris, I just want to say it guys. I said it on Twitter. I'm going to say it on the podcast. Demetrius Harris, good tight end two. I feel like people don't understand what a tight end two is, you know, like, they're saying he can't catch the ball and that's true. He can't, he's bad at catching the ball, but he's supposed to, (laughs) he's good at getting open Uh and he's good at blocking. Uh And that makes him better than like most tight end twos. Right. Like, that's right. I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't need to go on a rant about Demetrius Harris, but if the chiefs were to bring him back, I would not be upset. I'd be into it. Final mailbag question. Why don't you take this one? Okay. So this is another one from Jack Kelly. And Kaka, and he asked if you guys were verified, who are the first celebrities you'd try to interact with? Can include Chiefs players. It's always Sunny Cast and others, since I know your top preferences would be Chiefs and Sunny. Um, so I thought about this for a little bit. There's a lot of really good options here. Um, I thought about maybe Barack Obama. That would be a cool little uh, clout chasing interaction for sure to talk sure. with the president and especially a guy like him. Um, but I think I'm going to settle on Star Wars Zone Mark Hamill. I think he is hilarious on Twitter. He's very active. He obviously starred in one of my all-time favorite pieces of entertainment of any kind. Um, and I just think he would be a blast. I, I would have so many fun and funny things to ask him. Barack Obama has the most followers of any Twitter account at 130 million. So if you were to interact with him, Ooh. that would be that would be pretty huge for your clout. That's right. Two through two through. Five are Justin Bieber at 114, Katy Perry at 109. That's kind of random. Uh, Rihanna at 102, and then Cristiano Ronaldo at 91.7. Sixth place, no longer active on the Twitter. Donald Trump, pour one out for uh, at real Donald Trump. Um, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. 89 million followers washed down the drain. A lot of those were Russian bots, but still. Uh, For me. I gave this a lot of thought. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes would be would be number one. I, I've talked about this before on the show. I want to get verified just so that I can engage in special blue checkmark Twitter with Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Like his stuff, tweet about him, quote tweet him, and then have him see me. I just want to be visible. I just want to. I just, just want to be flushed. visible. I just want to be visible to him. I just <laughs> want him to see me. You want him to experience I, you. I want him to experience me, and I want to experience him. Um, <laughs> I was going through a list of people that I follow in preparation for this question. And I saw Vin Scully on there 
and you made a remark off the air when we were preparing for the podcast that Vin Scully doesn't know how to tweet, and you know, uh-huh. how could he? He's in his 90s. Uh, a legend, by the way, Vin Scully, the greatest. Love him. Just incredible baseball commentary. The, the world's greatest play-by-play guy of all time. Just unbelievable. Uh, but your comment sparked an inspiration in me for okay. who I would interact with on Twitter. And that's another person who doesn't understand how, uh, how Twitter works because he's old and it's OJ Simpson. <laughs> uh, yeah. The juice, the juice. I would, I would enjoy interacting with OJ Simpson. This is dark because OJ Simpson definitely murdered two people. Definitely. And at he, least he do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. At least <laughs> he definitely did it. And he got away with it. He spent some time in prison. I'm just very fascinated by him as a personality. Like it just is a, it's, it's so interesting to me that a a man who was an incredibly successful athlete, uh, you know, rose to the height of fame, then murdered two people and got acquitted because he paid for the best defense team in the history of criminal law. And then got sent to prison for, you know, something completely different that was basically just, it wasn't even that big of a deal, but the judge was like, fuck you, OJ. You murdered <laughs> You're OJ Simpson. You're yeah, out of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, we, we know what you did. So we're sending you away. And now he's out and he doesn't, he, his Twitter account is him making videos and then just tweeting them out. It's not even. He hasn't typed a single word. He hasn't typed a single word. They're literally just videos. He doesn't reply to people. Nope. You know, he doesn't interact with people. I don't know if he likes anything. Like he just he just records videos of himself and sends them out. So I would really like to engage with OJ Simpson's Twitter account in some way. I just think that it would be, you know, whether it would gain me any clout, whether I would get any clarity about, you know, what happened in 1994 or whenever it was, whether I would just, you know, get something kind of weird from him. I don't know. I don't know, but it would be very interesting. So he wouldn't be my number one, but he would be in my top five. (laughs) Well, and he loves Patrick Mahomes. He does. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you could talk to him about how 90% of his videos mention Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Like, like, oh, it probably is at least 40%. You could ask him about those crazy Bills teams. Could ask him about those crazy Bill teams. You may hear about those crazy Bill teams in a future episode. We've got, we've got something cooking that we're not quite ready to tease yet because, as you guys know, sometimes we tease things that we don't immediately follow through. (laughs) Just, just stay tuned. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom.